This podcast is intended for advisors and staff at the cooperators. The views and opinions expressed are those of the subjects and do not necessarily reflect the official position of the cooperators. This is a Co-op TV podcast. You are listening to the Advisors Network Podcasts, where your fellow advisors share tips, stories, and lessons learned. As we continue to transform to advice-based services like life, commercial, and wealth, you may have questions or concerns about what it takes to be successful. In this series on Wealth Tips, we talk to some top advisors who are focusing on building a wealth book of business long before there was a wealth strategy. We've got the situation that the industry, that that somebody working for um, a life company or investment company is, is utopia. You've already got the relationship. You already know the person. You can actually segment them. There's not too many um, organizations that have the ability to do what we do is to be able to sit down. Like I know what everybody makes. We've got a big part of their cash flow already. So if you know the person and, and you have an opportunity to build a relationship, then you should be the one that's, that, uh, that's sitting down and having the conversation. John Carn is a lifelong learner who was always focused on the wealth business. A successful advisor for 32 years, he welcomed his son Andrew into his Ottawa agency 12 years ago. I'm Brad Scott, and today I got to sit down with both of them to discover that the secret to the success is being able to use two sets of eyes and different perspectives to offer insight and advice to clients. So uh, so we're here in Ottawa today with John Carn and his son Andrew, uh, and we're going to talk about wealth. Um, it, this is a very successful uh, agency, and, and you guys have a lot of great experience, and, uh, and we hope some tips as well. So let's, let's start with you, John. Um, you've been in the wealth business for longer than most. Uh, what was it that attracted you to the wealth business, and how did you get started? So the wealth for me, it's just, it's, it's who I am and, and what I like to do. Uh, Andrew, what, uh, what attracted you to the wealth business? Or, or, or sorry, what, what attracted you to working for your dad? <laughs> sorry, what attracted you to working with your dad? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I had seen him, obviously, uh, as a kid, I'd seen him up all hours of the night studying and, and doing the CFP and uh, his other credentials. And I, we've, gotten to know a lot of clients as family friends so we'd have christmas parties or we'd see them at different family functions and so i had seen over the years um the type of impact that he had had on on other people and i really liked the idea of helping people and i wanted to kind of continue to do that for our current clients and, and future clients so how long have you been in in the wealth business andrew um, I've been working here for 12 years. Um, I started off doing the CFP program pretty much from day one. And then throughout that time frame, I've done the CFP and the CLU uh, and then the CIM designation through the Canadian Securities Institute. So um, on top of mutual fund license and Canadian Securities course. So it's it's been a lot of hard work and a, a lot of time and effort, but um 
throughout that whole time frame. I've, it's, it's something I've been immersed in. So were there any hard lessons along the way or, 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 or major aha moments? I find with um, all of the programs, what you realize when you get to the end of those programs is you now know what you don't know. So like with the CFP program, I mean, they touch on tax, they, they touch on legal stuff. You're not a lawyer and you're not an accountant. And so what it really just allows you to do is, is basically be the quarterback to conversations, dealing with these professionals and being able to listen to the client and then be able to engage these other professionals to get the end result of what they're looking for in the client's best interest. And so uh, same thing with all of these other programs. It just further elaborates your knowledge areas to be able to ask the right questions from the people who are, who are more expert in those in those areas. And so I would just say in terms of, um, you know, challenges and things, it's just really the, the time and the effort and then staying humble with that information. So there's other people within the company and within the industry that either have more designations or have less, more experience or less experience. At the end of the day, it's just a matter of trying to utilize that knowledge for the, the best interest of your clients. So we've heard certainly heard from many advisors that knowledge is key. Are there other factors at play, though, John? Other things that that are really critical to be successful in in this business? Oh, absolutely, Brad. You can't think about yourself or compensation or anything. It's completely irrelevant. Is it? It has to be focused. You have to ask um, questions. Like the uh, I took a really interesting program called Family Enterprise Advisor a number of years ago, and one of the um, advisors there she gave me some really good tools and one of the tools that she gave me was what keeps you up at night so I ask a lot of questions because really what I want to do is do what they would do with my knowledge and be very respectful who's across the table because you have a covenant and the covenant is that you're going to do the best with your ability with the tools that you have based on what they tell you. So uh, we get a sense that there are maybe advisors out there who, who aren't doing a lot of wealth work because they may not have the confidence. How, how important is confidence and, and how do you get the confidence? Andrew, what do you think? For someone who's younger that wants to get into this, the first thing would be to look at a program like the CFP because it does, it does change you and you and it does elevate you to a different level when you can have those conversations because it is a challenge and once you've established yourself in that way like you're building up some of that confidence along the way and you're learning a lot of this information throughout that process and that as that alone helps you to stand out within the industry and then the other thing would just to be keep things simple i think a lot of people when they've got somebody sitting across, they want to come across as the the smartest person in the room, and they have all the answers. And at the end of the day, a lot of the a lot of the people, that's not what they're necessarily looking for. They're looking for a little bit of extra help, and they want that like unshaky hand that's that's helping them through and understanding where they're at. So, the the cash flow statements and the net worth statements 
are really simple tools that most people probably have never seen or maybe have heard of but don't know how to do. So that alone is going to put you into that position where you can have those conversations with them and you can begin to to work on some different plans. And it doesn't have to be complex. You know, it, as part of the CIM program, one of the things that's always stood out to me is that they were talking about a value of you would need a million dollars of investable assets in order to achieve the level of diversification that is necessary in order to be successful. Most people don't have that kind of money laying around. And so we have tools like mutual funds that are going to achieve that. And you've got rooms full of people who went to the top institutions all across the world and all throughout the U.S. that that's what they do all day, every day. So if you're not making things too complex and you're utilizing these tools and managing those relationships, all you're going to be able to do is, the and you focus on the right things for the clients, you're just, all it's going to do is just keep moving forward and, and growing. Andrew, who who is the, who's your ideal client? Who's the kind of person that you, your eyes light up and you think this is, this is going to work out well? It's mainly just when we'll do some some different client reviews is just people that are open to conversations, uh, people that are interested in discussing any of any of their their stuff, their auto, their home, you know, life, commercial, whatever that is, because that type of person is someone that's engaged. And so that's someone that you can ask questions and you can you can go over. Um, you know, some of the information and, and if you need something from them, they're actually going to go and follow through on, on those different types of things. Um, and they clearly have a trust in you and there's already that established relationship. And so that combination of things and, and principally we're looking at people that have two to three lines of business already. Those, those are the folks that we know that we like that no one like us and it makes things uh, a lot easier to have those conversations because it's already difficult enough if somebody's if somebody doesn't know you very well they're they're not necessarily going to share that maybe they've got ten twenty thousand dollars worth of you know credit card debt or you know that they've got money in you know with this bank and they've got you know a pension here like they might not be willing to share those details unless they know you and know that whatever they tell you is going to be shared in confidence because it's all very sensitive information. And even though we're, you know, we have, there's privacy laws and, you know, in the role that we're in, that information doesn't get shared. They don't, they're, they don't know that for sure. And so a lot of people are very reserved in those things, but if they know you they're I mean, you've had People tell you their life stories before on, in, in a variety of different conversations on, on different things. Um, that stuff that's completely unrelated. And it's just because they know you and like you and, and, and trust you and know that it's that this is a safe place to, to be able to share those things. So it kind of comes back to what you said earlier, John, about this covenant the, that you have with, with your clients. So, so I don't know what the question is, but it, it has to do with with that rapport and relationship that that applies. Obviously, has applied to insurance for years, but also applies to wealth. So, what what are 
what are the keys to that? What are the keys to, to getting uh, a client to, to trust you, to open up about their credit card debt or those sorts of things? We are to be respectful and not impose our point of view because it's not like a product that you sell and it goes away. It's part of their future. Andrew, do you have any thoughts on that? It's just establishing yourself as someone who's going to do the right thing for that individual, regardless of circumstances. So we could sell product, you know, let's just talk about life insurance. There's product A and product B. Product A is going to give us the least compensation, but it's going to do the best job. Product B is going to kind of do the same thing. And that's where we, the bigger compensation is, but it's not as good. Well, the natural tendency would be to say product B is going to do pretty close to it. And I'm going to get paid a lot more. And so it's not a bad deal, but the right thing for the client would be product A. And so if you have that established trust and, and you've demonstrated that, it's only going to lead to, towards that. We are in the best position because a lot of the stuff that people deal with on a regular basis, their car insurance, their home insurance, their life insurance, they have a business, the, the commercial insurance, those are th those are things that you can repeatedly show people that you are someone who can provide good advice and someone who's going to make recommendations that's in their best interest all the time. And if if you do that, they eventually will come around and say, this is somebody I know that I can trust. And then when you have the education to go with that, and you can, and then you talk to them and ask them what their thoughts are in terms of investments and, and other things, um, you can start to, to bridge that and go into those other areas. Most people, their natural inclination is to walk into a bank or maybe one of these other firms like a you know investors group or something like that because that's what their family did that's what they're accustomed to they don't know that necessarily that we're a company that is able to offer those services and so when they know that we can do it and they already know and like you it's a fairly easy transition and it makes it easier they're dealing with one person one place if they ever have questions on anything they can call you and you have everything. You have the whole plethora. You've got all of their stuff already there apart, apart from, you know, bank accounts, you got everything else. It makes it really easy. So Andrew, as you're probably aware, cooperators is, is undergoing a, a rebrand that, that will help support the wealth strategy. So what are your thoughts around that? And, and how helpful do you think that will be? And, and, and where will it have an impact? Do you think? I do think it'll help in terms of um, cohesiveness. Right now on the wealth side, it's represented as credential. And I know I know that we've had people asking, well, what, what is that? Um, and what's that relationship with cooperators? So the fact that there is going to be that rebranding and it, and it is going to be um, in that cooperators branding, it is going to tie it all together so that people do understand it's all cooperators and that they're dealing with me or with John wearing uh, basically the, the same hat, just doing some different tasks as opposed to where it used to be two different, two different hats. Um, so I think that that will help in, uh, in that scenario. 
I think, yeah, it's just, it's going to simplify things and, and just make it that much easier. So John, you obviously have a wealth of experience in, 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 in wealth, but as I understand, Andrew's credentials are even more significant. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah. A lot more. Yeah. So that, that's maybe one approach, right? Is, is, is if you, if you can't do it or you don't want to do it, then maybe you need to find somebody who can do it. Wealth is way different than the other parts of the business. So somebody that's, that's dabbling, I, I, I don't see that as an option myself where I think that somebody that is going to do this, it, it's, it's, it's like a handyman. If the building has structural issues, get an engineer. So is it, is it feasible to, to go out and hire the person you need to, to support your wealth activities? I'm trying to be subjective and just sort of looking at like a generic office operating in, in the different ways you could go and bring somebody on. Um, but then essentially, especially with, with the wealth, those clients will become that other person's clients. They, they're not going to view you as the agent as, as their investment person. And if that person decides that I can get a better deal somewhere else with one of the banks, I'll start my own firm. Maybe I'll start my own agency, like whatever the circumstances are, a large part of that book could easily just walk out the door. So I, I think on a practical sense, you could get away with that. I mean, easily with auto and home, it's possible to do that with commercial. And maybe I would say, again, maybe there's a bias coming in here, but to a lesser extent, the life, because that is a, a driving factor uh, behind agency. But I would say on the, on the wealth side, I mean, if that's the road that you want to go down, it just doesn't make a lot of practical sense to, to make that commitment to getting into that, into that business and not having a strong hand on it on your, on your own. So I, I would say if that person's really apprehensive, you're better off not going down that path. Or if it's just a confidence and maybe an education, because I mean, it's, it's, it could be a, a brand new area for someone that they have very little experience in on their own um, to go and utilize resources, like going to get the education. And I'm sure that there's resources at head office where people can, again, ask questions and, and, and learn those things along the way um, to be able to at least put yourself in that position that you have more comfort with it. So I think what you're saying is it's worth the effort. Absolutely. I mean, the, these are your clients and, and you, as John has said, like you have that covenant to look after them, to hand it off to somebody else. Uh, I mean, we have a bit of a, a different situation, but if I was at arm's length or if John was at arm's length, I mean, it would be a very, a, a very different relationship as a result of that. From my perspective, the owner of an agency should be the driver, should be the one that is, is the face. Because again, like you, Andrew is making really good points for your auto book or your home book or your commercial book. The chances of that being gone tomorrow or next to none but the investment book it's a change of agent boom you just had 
X number of million dollars, next time, next morning, you have none. To me, it's it's important that you either have the owner who's engaged of the of the business, or you have somebody that's a very key trusted person um, is is engaged. This could be fairly intimidating to someone trying to embrace the wealth strategy. What do you suggest? Quite simply, mentor. So what you do is you go to somebody that's been successful and 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 maybe going and saying, look at, you know. Can you stick around a couple more years? Or maybe what we can do is we can do something because we've got a bunch of kids here. And and what we do is we, we we do something with the compensation or with production or whatever that you can go and spend the time. It really works. In the industry, that's really hard to find. Cooperators, it's not hard to find. We have a ton of these folks that that would do that and say, you know, can you go and and would you agree to maybe work part time or or whatever? As an example, if you've got somebody with a large book and they just retire, you think that book's going to stay? No, it's not, because the client is going to go to somebody that they trust. So if you put somebody in that they don't know, it's not like PNC. And and so so we're doing it the way we're, the way we're doing is very respectful for the client and the organization. There's continuity. There isn't going to be that that slippage or that. If you're used to seeing me every year and all of a sudden, boom, I'm, I'm gone, you go, like, I'm five years out. And I don't know anybody there. Or worse yet, I don't like anybody there. Mm-hmm. Any final thoughts on, on tips for advisors who, who aren't taking advantage of, of wealth at this point? I think to take the approach that it's problem solving and what we have available are, are different tools to address different people's problems. So you have those conversations and you figure out where they are and, and what the concerns are and where they want to go. And you find the, the best fit for those things, the, the different ones that we have available. And you, if you just take that approach, it's uh, and understand that you're not going to have all the answers all the time. And it, don't be afraid to ask questions and look for other resources. Uh, there's there's probably some different folks within the company that, you know, if you need to talk to somebody or ask questions that you can reach out. And at the end of the day, as long as you're doing the best thing for the client, who, re- who really cares with, you know, how how it came to be? And uh, so, yeah, I think there's there's a lot of potential here for for people to do some r- really good work for, for people. And, you know, it's exciting. I'm I'm happy to I'm happy to to see the direction, you know, moving that way and uh, like to see, you know, some other younger advisors kind of getting more into into that mold as well. Mm-hmm. Just have fun. Don't don't take yourself too seriously. It's here and it's now. And, and uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity. And uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing this expanded and looking forward to the future. I think we have a very, very bright future. Thank you, John and Andrew, for some thought-provoking ideas and advice. Get ready. You may have people knocking on your doors looking for mentors. For more tips and tricks from your fellow advisors, please subscribe to the Advisor Network Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future podcasts, please contact me, Brad Scott, at Co-op TV.